What's going on, Roadrunner fans? Welcome to episode 224 of the Alamo Audible Podcast. This is your host and producer, Jared Kalmas, joined as always by my co-host, Adrian Bermudez. Adrian, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, buddy. Getting over the brutal, brutal loss to Army on Friday night. But we've had a lot of sleeps from the Friday night, you know, early game, and then a later podcast recording for us. So, yeah, you know, I'm coping, dealing, yes. You know, or my schedule has been so thrown off, like football wise, because the Friday game. Like, I, I don't know if we're recording a day later than we usually do. Maybe we are, but it just feels like we haven't recorded a, a regular episode in so long. Even though I know that's like not reality, just these midweek games completely shift my frame of reference. But I guess to that point, what what did you think about having a Friday night game? I think it's only maybe the second time, second or third time UTC's had one. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I didn't dislike it. I thought it was fine. I, I Look, UTSA on ESPN, anytime we could be on the four-letter network, that is cool as hell. Um, mm-hmm. It's a kind of an earlier kickoff on a Friday, so I, I imagine, you know, for a lot of people trying to move around and get things done, it could be hard to be somewhere and be attentive by 6 p.m. kickoff. It right. might be a little bit difficult for folks. I didn't go and attend the game Maybe if I was attending the game, I don't know if I would have a different perspective on it. I don't think that I necessarily would. Um, I have no qualms with the Friday night 6 p.m. kickoff. As long as they're few and far between, I probably wouldn't care to have two or three of these a season. I can do one of these per Mm -hmm. season. Totally Mm -hmm. fine. Um, I had actually picked up my parents from the airport the night before. So they had stayed at my house that night. They were on an international trip. They slept for like 14 hours. When they woke up in my house, it was already like four o'clock in the afternoon. I had a sister coming over. So like the whole family was at my house watching the UTSA game, right? And my dad, who doesn't pay attention to college football at all, he's like paying attention to the screen. He's like, oh, this is UTSA. Oh, they're playing Army. Oh, y'all are on ESPN. Oh, right. Yeah. So he's like, he's piquing his interest, yeah. right? He's paying attention to it. Unfortunately, we didn't put out the product that would have made him proud of his son's alma mater, but... <laughs> Either way, he was watching the Roadrunners on ESPN, which is something my dad's probably never ever done before, and so that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. And and, and wait, your dad has your... never watched a Roadrunner game on TV before uh, on ESPN, like on on the Four Letter Network ESPN. Because how oh, many times okay. have we been on ESPN? Okay, I so okay, but he's watched games, just not on. He's ESPN. watched games, right? Okay. Like okay, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll put the stream, I'll put the ESPN Plus yeah, stream, and I'm at okay. my parents' gotcha, house gotcha. or whatever. Yeah, for yeah. sure. FS1, uh, but I don't know if he's ever seen them on ESPN before. So, you know, like mm-hmm. that scoreboard on the bottom of the screen with the four letters and the, you know, it carries a little bit of credence, especially when you're talking. Yeah, about it's Uber got a little gravitas to it. For sure. And then, you know, he says that he sees Army, or sees that our opponent is Army. That he's That's also recognizable to him. He right. doesn't recognize FA. Yeah, you, you don't have to explain <laughs> to him where that school is at. He probably 100%. doesn't know West Point, but, you know, he knows Army. He even like raised his eyebrows. He's like, oh, you guys are playing Army. Yeah, it's ESPN. And I was like, yeah, yeah brother. Yeah, yeah, on ESPN. You're damn right. So like, yeah, that, that was cool. But it was a family affair watching the Roadrunners. So I, I enjoyed that. You know, I got to cook up mm-hmm. some food and whatnot. But mm-hmm. it's a tight fit. I think that six o'clock kickoff is probably my one qualm. If that could be seven, Friday night kickoff would be a lot more enjoyable, I think, for everybody. I was yeah, so I was going to answer very similarly as well. Uh, but I, I, as far as the six o'clock goes, like I had an awkward period between like four thirty and six. Like there wasn't enough time to go out and you know do anything. Right, so I was right. just sitting there. 
like with ESPN turned on, just waiting. But that was kind of cool because ESPN on the bottom ticker, it had like a dedicated space that says like UTSA versus Army coming up soon. And I was getting like random, the bottom. Yeah. yeah, I was getting random texts from people that like kind of follow the program because they're friends with me or whatever. Didn't go to UTSA or live in San Antonio or anything. And I was like, you know, I, I like I know it's on ESPN, but like it's kind of weird how many people are reaching out to me. Like, was there like a story on Barstool or something? And then I like realized it's because ESPN had that in the ticker, so like it was hyping up the game if you were just sitting around watching TV. So that was really cool. But yeah, similar experience to me. I mean, everyone in my family was watching the game. They were texting me. Um, I was back home this past weekend for a baby shower and everyone was talking about the game. Like it was, it was crazy. Uh, just, you know, kind of the anecdotal exposure, like you can feel it when you talk to your friends and family, but the numbers back it up too. This game almost cleared a million viewers on that Friday night ESPN slot. <laughs> Dude, a, a bowl game for UTSA is usually like 1.1, 1.3 million. So we're talking like 80% of the viewership of a bowl game just for a, re a regular season game that's soon to be a conference game. It's easy to see why these teams make the sacrifices of, you know, being a little more inconvenient for the fans to get on uh, that ESPN time slot, because that, that's a huge amount of exposure. I, I need to crunch the numbers some more, but I feel like that is um, a tremendous draw. And, you know, you got to keep winning, obviously, so you keep getting those ESPN slots. But, yeah, all worth it. And the attendance was pretty good. I mean, they, it, it would end up being like 27K. I thought that was very respectable. Uh, Memphis pulled about the same number for a Thursday game and they were complaining about the attendance, but I was like, I'll take 27 K on a weekday, <laughs> any day. Let's, you know, make no, no qualms about that for sure. Um, uh, but yeah, I thought it was a cool experience. Great exposure. Just wish it could have been a better showing for the Roadrunners. And they seem to like not produce that well when the national spotlight is on them. I was talking about that with a buddy. It's like, if you only tune into the games on ESPN, you think this team sucks and it's unfortunate. Brother, it is the curse of the Roadrunners. Every time we've got a little bit of spotlight, it's like we just shrivel up and completely blow it. And you could look at the U of H game for that. You got people meet meeping on college game day before kickoff. We go, we lay an egg. You look at the, I mean, you could even say the U of H game last year was, yeah. was of that importance to us on the national spotlight. Didn't quite get it done. And now you're on ESPN primetime slot, the only football game on TV or on ESPN. And uh, dude, look, bro, 37 to 29 is an extremely generous final score. I was saying the same thing. Yeah. Because if if you were watching this game for four quarters, brother, UTSA did not lose this game by only one possession. It felt mm -hmm. like we lost this game by a blowout, by a massive stretch. I mean, we were just getting our butts kicked by Army, both sides of the football. Well, on defense especially, but to a degree on both sides of football, especially mm -hmm. there at the beginning. And they really ran away with this thing on us. And, and it's not until a you know, very favorable final touchdown and two point uh two point conversion that give us that final differential of just one possession eight points on the on the scoreboard but look man it felt like UTSA lost this game by three or four touchdowns and I said in our post game reaction call but just to reiterate Jared watching this team through the first two games of the season it felt like UTSA was more likely to have a loss like this before they had a big tremendous win Mm -hmm. This team has more or less been hanging by a thread mm -hmm. through the month of September. 
and against army it's like it all just came to fruit i mean it, the, the big snowball finally gave way there was no intensity whatsoever this team was unprepared this team was dull I mean, looked bored out there. It didn't look like they were ready to play football. It took us a whole quarter to even get our bodies warmed up. And if you ask me, this loss comes down to one single, very simple thing. Tackling. Form, tackling. And it was about as pathetic of tackling I've ever seen from the UTSA Roadrunners program, ever. And uh, tackling technique has been pretty bad throughout all of Jeff Trailer's tenure. People don't really notice that because this team won 30 games over three seasons, but there's a reason why all of our wins were shootouts. And every single time we won a game, it was a back and forth contest, 30 odd points, 40 odd points on the scoreboard for the opposing team too, because we can't tackle. Forget, or only forget seven. not forcing any turnovers, but you got to get stops. There are only seven programs in FBS with a worse tackle grade on Pro Football Focus than UTSA. Eighth worst in the country. I I don't have the actual missed tackle number. I wish I did, but I feel like we're we're going to be really really high on that list. Oh, easily, easily. And this is another thing we mentioned on the in the Patreon episode that we did. Uh, was it on Saturday or Sunday? But. I'm convinced this team only tackles dummies in practice. I don't think they go live at all. And, you know, the argument for that is like you avoid injury. <laughs> the roster is decimated with injuries anyways. So I don't know what, what good it's really done. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and and, and the proof is in the pudding, right? Because there's there's clearly not enough live tackling, if any at all, going on during practice. Because whenever you see these guys size up a ball carrier, there's like uh, there some guys just fling their bodies, mm-hmm. kind of throw their shoulder into someone. Some of them hit really, really up high and try to like wrap around shoulders. Some of them dive at guys' ankles, but there's never like a low, controlled squaring up, wrap up around the hips, around the legs, and get a guy down with proper tackling technique. You just don't ever ever see it. It just goes to show. It's I not think that worked. could be tied to the turnover problem too, because I think with a form tackle, you're more likely to force a turnover than just like you know, out. doing Punch a out. shoulder punch on on the ball carrier. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. And we're not getting there. We're not getting to the football. And then you know what does it do for the whole momentum of the defense for the flow of the defense when you give up three or four more extra yards after initial contact that that to me is the biggest differentiator in this game because Mm -hmm. army was only like three of 14 or something like that off the top of my head on their third down conversions but they were six of six on fourth down and that's because every time they were hit by a utsa defender they found a way to get two or three extra yards and that with army style of offense that really adds up drastically over the span of a football game. So to me, I hear you on tackling, but I would go even more precise and just say physicality, right? Mm. Like where guys pumping their feet at contact, were they getting low? Were they winning their one-on-ones? Too often the answer to that was no. But I think the biggest thing was like when two guys met head to head, one a black knight, 
won a roadrunner. The ball was moving towards UTSA's end zone after that contact happened. Oh, yeah. You would like to see it go the other way where you you hit them and drill them back. You drop them right at the spot. But when they're getting those extra freebie yards, you just can't allow it against Army. They're just they're too good. They're too disciplined. Yeah, Coach Trailer said it best in his postgame professor. We got out physicaled. You're damn right. We got out physical. We got out physical yeah. on every so, single play blowing off that ball. That was really interesting, Adrian, because he said that in the postgame conference, but he kind of walked it back throughout the week. Did you notice that in his interview? Mm-hmm. I think today. You might be onto something there. Yeah. So I don't know, like if the film review didn't really back that up. I still feel that way after rewatching the game personally, or maybe he's just trying to avoid kind of demoralizing the team. But I thought that was really interesting because, I mean, he said it pretty clear cut, pretty clear cut after the game that he felt Army was a much more physical team. Everyone I talked to felt that way as well. But it was interesting to hear Coach Trailer kind of change his tune throughout the week. I think, I think it was to avoid the demoralizing because that entire post-game press conference was extremely demoralizing. That it was, was rough, the guy yes. that was like down in the dumps. He said yes. a few things that were very <laughs> yeah, concerning, <laughs> very, very yes. concerning. And, and we could get to that. We can stay on the actual football. and then Yeah, yeah. let's game. go back to that later on for sure. But there are things that I would like to highlight that he said that were extremely concerning coming out of Jeff Trailer's mouth. But Army yeah, on I'm, third I'm down adding is, it to our show notes right now to make sure we come back to it. Okay. Army on third down is eight for 20. They're six for six on fourth down. So that means yeah. six of their eight third downs. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, half of their third downs that they did not convert on, right? Six of the 12, they went forward on fourth down and they got it. And every time they mm-hmm. went forward on fourth down, they got it. So unless they were punting or kicking a field goal, they were converting their fourth down conversions. And the craziest thing about uh, that is so many of those third downs were third and long. Traditionally, when you play right. Army and you get them in third and long, it's pretty much a wrap. If Army and had a this fourth, quarterback Bryson Daly, whatever his name was, I mean, he was he was not yeah. the best passing quarterback UTSA's played against Army. He was throwing up ducks, so it was really discouraging to get them into that exact situation you want to force them into, and they still find a way to convert. That was extremely oh aggravating. Yes, man, because because Army was going for it on a fourth and six. They were going for it on a fourth and five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how good they felt about it. And then a lot of times those third. Those third and longs, I mean, third and 12, third and 13, those guys were getting six or seven yards and then saying, oh, yeah, we can get this fourth down. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that did to the psyche of this defense, knowing that they had to play for four plays on every single series, right? Every yeah. single down and distance, you knew you were, they were getting four chances. Um, like, did that Hard. mentally fatigue this defense before the 45 minutes of being on the field fatigued them because that's how long the army offense had the football jared they had Mm -hmm. the football for 44 and a half minutes compared to utsa's 15 three quarters of the game army had the ball Mm -hmm. you don't win you don't win with having the ball for 15 minutes just doesn't happen right 100 do you want to take a quick break right here to give a couple shout outs to some new patreon subscribers First, a dear friend of mine, shout out my boy Christian Arredondo for joining us at the Insider Tier, for Nate Valdez joining us at the Booster Tier, and Philip Ballman for joining at the Insider Tier. Thank you guys all so much. Appreciate your patronage, keeping us going, keeping the content flowing out. Much appreciated. So, how do you uh, fix so, physicality? How do you? 
fix tackling? How do you fix intensity? How do you fix physicality in, in practice? Can you work on something like that? Part of it is not playing army again. I think is the biggest piece. Okay. I mean, you're just not, you're not going to see another team like them this year, unless somehow you see Navy in the conference championship game, which is pretty outlandish. I mean, you're going to see some tough teams throughout the rest of the year for sure. But I mean, it's, I think it's a motivation piece. I mean, the team just didn't, they didn't look right coming out right out of the gate. You know, I don't know if it's like the Friday schedule, you know, having so many of the team leaders injured or or what it was. But I mean, I think to me, that's the biggest thing. It was like that fiery passion, the pound the fist, if you will. It just felt mm-hmm. like it was missing. You know, like I, part of me is like Army was more prepared. And I don't think UTSA's defense wasn't that unprepared for army because i do think schematically they were where they should have been for the most part you know you think of army's biggest plays either there was a defender right there or uh you know there were there was contact and they they got through the contact so i don't think the game plan was like terribly off base at least in my opinion it was just like the physicality piece you know getting the tackle preventing those yards after contact and uh, to me that's that's not necessarily preparation in the week heading up to the game, but more of like that game day preparation of like getting fired up, getting in the tunnel, you know, punch and slapping, listening to vulgar music. You know, what there was, who was that one player in college football where his mom calls him and tells him he sucks before every game? Did you see that story? <laughs> yeah. I think it was like an ACC team. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you got to do to get the juices flowing. I felt like the juices weren't flowing for UTSA. Whatever it was. It. It was this team came out extremely flat, man, extremely mm-hmm. flat on both sides. This team that didn't look like they were ready to play football. There was no triangle of toughness. There was no two one zero out there whatsoever. And I think it's super evident at the beginning of that game. You let Army go seventy five plays downfield over seven and a half minutes, half of the first quarter on their opening uh, possession. They score seven. You put the ball on the ground by way of Kavorian. Barnes fumble on the second UTSA play from scrimmage. Army marches right back down the field, 40 yards over another six minutes to go 14 to zero. 14 to zero in the first quarter is over. Army's had the ball the entire game. They're up two scores on you. UTSA is looking around like, what the hell just happened? We just got off the bus and we're up. We're we're down fourteen to zero. God, that's, right. that's what that's what it felt like, you know. And I don't know if the internal clock was messed up for the players. Friday game, short week of rest, six p.m. kickoff. Guys are just getting out of class now. They got to go to the Alamo Dome and suit up. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but it's inexcusable. And and scheduling cannot be an excuse. Right, early 100%. kickoff, Friday kickoff cannot be an excuse. I like I, I know this team had injuries. I know there were bad breaks, all that. But with how talented and how deep they are, there's just really no excuse. This was a very winnable game. They should have won. Yeah, I, I feel bad kind of throwing out these suggestions and explanations because at the end of the day, it shouldn't really matter. They should have won this game handily. Mm-hmm. Army was way better than what I expected them to be. You know, they're progress and improvement from week one when they lost to Louisiana Monroe to, you know, this Friday game in CTSA was just nuts. You know, Jeff Munkin's a, a great coach, man. But nonetheless, UTSA 
should have won by two or three scores. I, I strongly feel that. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, I'll go far as to say this is the worst loss of the trailer era besides 2021 UNT. Yeah. yeah. Last game I think of the so. season. I think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, you know, and, that 2020 season, there might have been some in there, but that was also trailer's first year. You know, Frank wasn't healthy at all that year. I, I think, I mean, given relative to expectations, it being a home game, I think it's an open and shut case for this to be the worst loss of the trailer era. Uh, yeah. Especially and, at home. And when and, and to the eye test, right? When when you watch yeah. how much physicality Army brought to the table and how little to none UTSA brought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what really makes it an open and shut case for me. And this is the only time that I've ever seen a team come out so unprepared to play football mentally. Yeah. Besides the 2021 UNT game. Those are the only two examples I can think of through the trailer era that have been like this. And yeah, you can say we had a backup quarterback in the game, but the backup quarterback had nothing to do why UTSA lost right. his game. Right. right. I mean, unless Frank is like in the tunnel before every game, like, talking trash and you know getting people <laughs> fired up but i mean someone else needs to be the leader step up and do that but you know to compare it to that 2021 unt game though you just had nothing to play for that game it was outdoors mm. the weather was terrible unt was fighting for a bull bid so that one makes a bit of sense in hindsight i i really struggle to find anything in this army game that would really explain the lack of intensity from the roadrunners there's not. There's really not. You, you you had something to play for. You were at home in the Allen Dome. You had the orange out. When I tell you, you know, Army comes down to Military City, USA, they come with a chip on their shoulder, man. And I don't know if that's bulletin board material, but they always seem to have a point to prove whenever they come down to San Antonio. Or I guess when they play UTSA altogether, we barely escaped by the skin of our teeth in overtime against Army mm-hmm. last year. But Trailer, I believe he's only lost at the Yellow Dome three times in his tenure. That's right. Two of those, two of those are to an Army program. So crazy, man. It's one of the craziest stats in football, if you ask me. <laughs> Definitely. But I'm I'm trying to think of like a comparison for Alabama or Georgia. <laughs> if they had, you know, three home losses and two of them were to missouri maybe i don't know it's just really strange and i guess what's what's so perplexing about all of this is that through our first two games of the season the defense had been our anchor right oh the defense is probably the only reason why we won a game against texas state and why we are i still think the defense is really good adrian i still do and i agree with you yeah i just don't understand you know how they could have such a letdown performance after being so lights out so electric over the first two games i think a big part of it is you're just playing a completely different game than you were the first two weeks of the season hmm. i mean i'm sure there were cases in the tech state and houston game where some of these same issues were there but it didn't feel as urgent it wasn't as prominent because then you know the the tech state or the houston offense goes to draw back and pass and throws an incompletion or you know utsa gets a sack or or whatever it's just like that when you have to be so physical every single snap, it's a whole different ball game, right? So that's why I, I'm like discouraged by the defensive performance for sure, but it's not going to really adjust my expectations for this defense going forward. I think like other programs will see this on film and see if they can kind of, you know, assert themselves if they're willing to go for it. 
on fourth down as frequently as Army did and, you know, run the ball on fourth and six or whatever. Most coordinators, most head coaches are not going to have the cojones to do that. But I think, like, you know, that cat is out of the bag. I just – I don't think there are going to be that many teams on the schedule that are going to go for that style of play to take advantage of some of the weaknesses that UTSA showed on film in this past week. Right. Right. You know, I – the, the the loss ultimately falls on to the defensive shoulders, the poor tackling. You don't force any turnovers. You can't get certain things done. But on the other side of it, you had Eddie Lee Marburger in play a backup quarterback. He was throwing the ball beautifully well, mm-hmm. extremely well. Had a First half expiring clock, Hail Mary touchdown pass. And then later in the game, he throws a 72-yard touchdown pass that looked like God himself dropped it out of the sky. It was such a beautiful ball. Eddie Lee Markberger's 17 for 25, 239 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, Wow, an unfreaking believable stat line for a guy making his very first start. Really looked great throwing the ball out there. Jared, it feels like the offense had the ability to make this game into a shootout. Despite how poorly the defense played, it felt like the offense still could have made this thing a shootout. But I don't know if the play calling necessarily allowed that to be the case. Like, are you saying that UTSA should have taken more deep shots? I think maybe just a little bit more aggressive in general whenever they had the ball than they were being. Hmm. I kind of felt the opposite. I thought they should have ground and pound a bit more because they were running for like nine yards a carry or something like that. And then there were there were three and outs that UTSA had where they didn't really run between the tackles once on that series so i kind of saw it the opposite way to be honest with you Um, i think you could probably still be aggressive with your play calling calling run plays right yeah i guess maybe execution was lacking a little bit on that side too but now that you break it down this team really only called 22 carries versus 27 dropbacks Mm -hmm. it was a way higher distribution on passing yeah, I, I get that you're playing from behind and, you know, you you know that your possession is going to be limited. So, I mean, I, I think that distribution is not what you two say wanted, but it made sense giving the 14-0 hole. And again, that that's squarely on the defensive shoulders that they were in that position. You know, I, I know Kavorian fumbled, but come on, man. <laughs> you got to get a little help from your defense. Fumbles are going to happen. Really unlucky fumble from Kavorian too. I mean, he was not being careless with the football whatsoever. But, you know, play calling wise, I have my gripes for sure. But I think for a retro sophomore making his first start against a really good defense, I thought the game plan was pretty solid. You know, I thought they did a good job of getting Eddie Lee comfortable. There are definitely plays that had let me scratch my head. That jet sweep to Kavorian was really, really bad. I mean, I've heard a lot of people comment on that already. I think everyone's in agreement. They want that play back. Uh, but there were execution problems on that play as well. Like there were, there was a missed uh, block. Probably still would not have been a gain of yardage on that one if that block got picked up. Um, but it probably prevents like the loss of 10, <laughs> whatever it ended up being. Gosh, yeah. 
I guess like my my concerns play calling wise are more broad. I just I feel like they're not really attacking all parts of the field when it comes to like the passing game. It was really bother. I mean, I've I've heard so many people say they're not attacking in the middle of the field. I definitely have felt that way, but being a data-driven kind of guy, I was like, well, let me go pull the stats on this and see, mm. if it, you know, if it's reality, if it's just, per- you know, perception. So last year, UTSA, you know, pass distribution, middle of the field, <clears throat> anything past the line of scrimmage, right? So, you know, a, a quick slant, crossing patterns, seam route from the tight end, a- anything that was from line of scrimmage to the end zone was 40, 40.9% of passes so nearly half of UTC's passes which is the middle of the field last year that's dropped at only 30.1 in 2023 and not a single pass attempt has gone to the deep center of the field this year whereas five percent of them did last year wow so i think it's enough of a sample size through three games to be like this offense is different the routes are different the targets are different and i really Maybe it's personnel, you know, not having Zakari and JT out there. I don't know. But I really, really, really miss that quick slant game, attacking the linebackers, making the safeties play closer to the middle of the field, providing space to the outside when you draw them in like that. I really miss those tight end dump passes. I I really feel like that needs to change. I really feel like UTSA's offense is holding themselves back by not being more active in that middle of the field. And you can see the defensive linemen that shows the defense are not respecting the ability to attack that portion of the field. That's one of the biggest issues I have with the offense under Justin Burke so far. And why? Why take that away? I guess you hinted at maybe the reason being because the personnel is not quite there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Losing Dan Dishman probably hurts. Oscar Cardenas has really been struggling. Really, really really bad. I don't know what's going on there. I wonder if that has something to do with it. Oscar is getting targeted. But it's like been screen passes and and out routes and stuff like that, and not the stuff that we're more accustomed to seeing from him. That's right. Uh, yeah. To be fair, they to be fair, they did have one deep throw to Oscar in the Army game, and I guess evidently he pushed off the defender. Didn't see it myself, but he got flagged for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it was such a critical component to our playbook last year. Yes. Was attacking yeah. that center of the field. And um, it feels like something that just has to be back into the game plan for this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you point at one single thing and say this is the reason why UTSA's offense is struggling? No, it's not one single thing. But right. this, like you said, it's a large enough sample size that this was an extremely successful component to our game last year. We're not doing it at all this year. And the same success hasn't been there. Right. I'm not entirely sure what else could be a reason why you would take that away. And even if you don't have the personnel there, don't you still try to run those plays and see if it's going to yield you the same success or similar success regardless, and then decide, oh, we don't have the personnel rather than just wrapping it all together? That's how I feel as well. It's, It's not like they've been running these same plays and they're not working and guys aren't getting open. I don't see them running those routes at all those route combinations and and that's what's frustrating to me i mean who's to say that Devin mcqueen amador cephas whoever can't run a basic crossing pattern and take it for 45 yards you know i feel Mm. like they can i don't know i'm gonna believe that they can until 
I see otherwise on tape and I just haven't seen it yet. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's aggravating for sure. But, you know, I think the other part is the injuries are really piling up, Adrian. I mean, you got a whole new look offensive line. <clears throat> of course, Alamo Audible being the unofficial podcast of offensive linemen everywhere. We're going to break that down. Uh, but you had a different starter at right tackle, different starter at center, different starter at left or right guard, one of the two. Yeah. That's what gets taken into consideration for game planning for sure. But I thought the new look offensive line was okay. I wouldn't give them a stellar grade, but I thought they held up pretty well. They gave Eddie time to take those deep shots downfield when they did go. And, you know, there, there were times that he got sacked on the, on those similar attempts as well. So it wasn't perfect, but given all the shuffling, all the injuries, I, I, I was relatively happy. I'm happy to grade them on a curve, and I thought they did okay. Corey Godin making his first start. Ernesto Almaraz moving out to right tackle. And then Luke mm-hmm. Lepay making his first start at center, which is always difficult, especially against an, an odd look front that has a nose tackle right over your right over your face mask. Um, I thought Lepay's did good. No bad snaps, which was huge. Wow. Yeah, that was huge. That was something I was worried about. That all seemed to be there working for us. Um, ELM only gets sacked one time. Army had three tackles for loss. So I think that's an extremely respectable offensive line performance from UTSA. Man, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned that sack. That's another complaint I have about the offense so far this year is there have been a lot of plays where there is no check down option for the quarterback. They'll mm. leave the tight end in the block. They'll leave the running back in the block. And then they have everyone running a deep route. So if there's a blitz and someone gets beat in this max protect scheme that you have on the offense, that's going to be a sack every time. Yeah, we're going to get rid of it. Like we're going to get rid of it. It's not yeah. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's something you had mentioned. No. So those are small components to the play calling that should certainly be changed, mm-hmm. right? We should have check down options. We should see more passes get thrown to the middle of the field. At least until they prove to not be effective. We need to see that. Uh, defense, the tackling has got to improve. It's got to get better. Not to mention you haven't caused a turnover and you're a quarter way through the 2023 season. It's three games, 12 think, uh, quarters of football. I think Greg Luca reported that UTSA is one of three teams that haven't forced a turnover this year. I knew I knew it was going to be bad. I think I said single digits when we were talking about it on the Patreon episode. But only three teams, that is wild. Really, really poor stuff. Uh, all in all, um, Army outgains UTSA by 82 yards of total offense. They have the ball for 30 minutes longer than UTSA. Army commits zero penalties to UTSA's five penalties at pretty opportune times. There were a couple of moments that we thought the flag should have flown for an Army defensive pass interference or something like that. Never got that flag. Um, that uh, that no call on a pass to Chris Carpenter was one of the worst no calls I've ever seen UTSA suffer. It was brutal. It was brutal. It was in the third quarter. It was at a critical turning point in the game. It was on the third down. You know, UTSA had him right there. And, uh, I mean, it was a blatant shove. Guys not even turned around looking at the ball. Just, just throws Chris Carpenter. I think Carpenter uh, got hurt on that play, too. Yeah. I think he did. That was brutal. And like, I, I know a second before the ball arrives. And right. I, I know that's not a reviewable play, but you would think like a makeup call 
would come along at some point? Absolutely not. Never got <laughs> not it at all. <laughs> yeah, Never got I, it. I, I I don't like to complain about officiating, and I usually I'll get mad at calls or whatever when I'm watching the game for the first time, be it live or on TV, and then I go back and rewatch the game for the film breakdown, and I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Feel the opposite after this one, dude. I was if I had hair, I'd be pulling it out. UTSA did not get any calls again, <laughs> literally against Army, and it was tough. And I'm not saying that's why UTSA lost. Don't don't get it twisted. But man, it was it was brutal. It was really really bad. I mean, yeah, super we... super blatant holds by Army, illegal crackbacks. Mm-hmm. Like literally, there was one drive where Tyke got flagged for a crackback block that I I thought was fine. I didn't have a problem with that. I get by the letter of the law, it's illegal. Literally, the next drive, Army does an even more brutal crackback block and doesn't get flagged for it. It's just like, God, man, give us something. Give us something. There was a with. lot of holding, man. There was a lot of egregious holding that didn't get called on that field. Yeah. Uh, like, now I'm talking like bear, bear hug holds, not like I got, I got a little cloth underneath your armpit. Like, that happens on every play. Uh, bear claw where guys crazy. turned around the other direction. Yeah. Still getting yeah. bear hugged. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, and and so we've seen it twice. We saw we saw in the Houston game, UTSA not getting too many penalties in their favor. Uh, flags thrown against U of H. Same thing now against Army. Not a single flag thrown against Army. Nothing going UTSA's favor. But we don't leave it in the hands of the officials. Never been one to leave it in the hands of the officials. But it is. It, it was pretty goddamn egregious in this game against right. Army. And yeah, and I think camp. too. I mean, I think you 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 try to fight through those penalties and it makes you more likely to get a call. Like if you're getting held and you still find a way to get out of that and make a play, I think sometimes the ref will see it. Whereas like if you just let yourself continue to be blocked and you don't get off that block or, or make a strong effort to or, or even fall down or something like that. I'm not saying a flop, but you got to draw the attention of the ref as well, which is kind of an art. Right. I don't know, man. It's It's tough. I, I hate to even be talking about this because it feels so silly. And UTSA, so many self-inflicted errors that, you know, you don't want to point the finger. But, yeah, it was, you know, it's the kind of the game where they could have used a lucky break. They did not get one whatsoever. Couldn't get any. Couldn't get a single one. Yeah, couldn't get a single one. Well, so I know we, we want to talk about that post-game presser. Before we do that, I want to say thank you to our Board of Trustees members for supporting us on Patreon. Last week, they were treated a bonus episode where we took an early look at each AAC opponent <clears throat> that UTSA will be facing this year and kind of get a heat check on how they've all looked through their first two games. Uh, we also did an instant reaction podcast on Sunday morning and got a film breakdown for me. So great week on Patreon, as always. Thank you to our boosters for making that happen, including Digiteek, John Alwell, Lino Perez of Los Dos Brady Tailgating, Gary and Ruben representing the UTSA Bird King Tailgate, Ray Redding and Mimi Perel, Brandon Grill and the Grail Realty Group, Andy Elizada Proficient Benefit Solutions, Ian McClinton and Seeker LLC, Brandon Patron, Ryan Squares, and Waterman Construction. One and two, Jared, through three games of 2023, UTSA is one and two. And uh, Jeff Taylor let his frustration really be known in his post game mm-hmm. press conference. Now, he had the most simple summarization for the game with we got out coach, we got out physical. But then he said something very, very concerning almost right after that. He said, we're just not doing well. I don't know what it is. That's the type of talk I've never, ever heard from Jeff Trailer right. before. 
It sounds defeatist, I guess you could say. Very much so sounds defeatist. When he says, we're just not doing well, you hear him say something like that anytime. But for him to say, I don't know what it is, for him to be at a loss for explanation, for reason, for rationale as to why we're not doing well, that's what is extremely concerning for me. And he said, when 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 they were talking about how the season has gone so far, he said it's been a perfect storm. It's been a perfect storm. Big game against U of H, and then you got a rivalry game, then you got to go up against a service academy. That was one of the weakest-ass takes I have ever heard from this <laughs> oh, man, man in his entire tenure as a UTSA head football. Like, how dare you, bro? How dare you whine about the cards that you were dealt with this schedule? which was a dream schedule. You get a redemption game against your wannabe rival Houston. You get to get that one back on a national freaking landscape. You get a rivalry game at home. You get a freaking four-letter network broadcast the following week against the Army. Are you serious? Are you serious? The perfect storm when talking about the scheduling? That was weak as hell. That was weak as hell, Coach. How dare you? If we were including Tennessee in it, okay. Tennessee has nothing to do with the one or two start. Houston's a bad team. Dan Holgerson's going to get fired. They lost to Rice. They didn't look good against UTSA. I mean, they're, they're not an impressive team whatsoever. No, They're probably not going to make a bowl game this year. Texas State, they look solid. They might be the best team UTSA's played all year. They're still Texas State. It it's is what it is. Brother. And then yeah. Army, Army only won six games last year. They lost to Louisiana Monroe two weeks ago. This was not a murderer's row of three games. This should have been slam dunk 3-0 start. I think when we come back and look at the end of the year and see how all these teams performed, it's going to look ugly for sure. And that's not to say that UTSA can't bounce back, go have a great season, win eight games, nine games, play the conference championship, win a bowl game. Whatever. I mean, everything is on the table for sure. Don't get it twisted. Okay. Uh, but I, I'm not buying the argument that this was a really tough start to the season schedule wise. I definitely agree with Jeff that like I don't I don't have an answer <laughs> for why they're one or two. Not a clear, concise one. Execution's been lacking. There's been some discipline problems on the field. They haven't gotten the lucky breaks. Turnovers aren't coming. Why Frank Harris threw three picks against Houston, I'll never understand. You know, it's just mm. a lot of weird stuff. And I think it's like small things that have added up. I definitely agree with Coach Trailer there. But you just got to be better about channeling that frustration for sure. So easy for us to sit here and say that because we just do a podcast. And we're not, you know, we're on the other side of the microphone, if you will. Um, but it's not a good look, man. It's it's really not. It's not. The thing that concerned me more than that was when he said there's got to be a better way to make a living than this, like referring ooh, to coaching. Ooh. The Internet's had a good time with that one, buddy. Oh, I couldn't believe that, man. That was rough not the message was ending and then for him to go on and apologize for that quote several days later i def- i definitely think he got some phone calls about that one oh for sure oh and rightfully so he saw he saw the social medias blowing up about it the pundits blowing up about it he got a few phone calls and text messages about it but look dude you've been given every single thing that you've asked for at this utsa i mean they have bestowed it all of your requests have been on a silver platter bestowed to you, right? White glove service. The highest paid coach in the conference. 
all the success that you've had y'all go have a really really shitty september and you got to make a comment about how hard it is to make a living as a head football coach at the university of texas at san antonio Man, it, it is so tone deaf too i mean people are struggling right now adrian this guy makes almost three million dollars a year you go ask frank wilson how hard it was being ahead. You ask him for a better way to make a living when he's coaching a three and nine season for UTSA and a four and eight season for UTSA. Don't come up in here after back-to-back conference championships and a $2.8 million guarantee salary coming up in here and tell me that oh, there's got to be an easier way to make a living. Come on, coach. That's pitiful, uh, man. I think That's another... Pitiful. I mean, obviously, his emotions got the best of him. We've all been there. We've all said things that we regret, um, you know, in similar stressful scenarios. But I think as the head coach, when you can't keep your composure under pressure and when the spotlight's on, your team is going to see that and they're going to do the same thing. And I, I think Absolutely. we have I think we have seen that from the Roadrunners this year. It's like when it's crunch time, when they're on national television, they tend to shrink in the moment and they do uncharacteristic things and they make mental mistakes. So I think there's a parallel there. Maybe that's a stretch. I don't know. But I think no, like, I, if you expect the players to be disciplined, the head coach has to be disciplined as well. hundred percent. I totally agree. You've got to keep your compass. You've got to keep your morale. And then this culture that you preach, right? The two one triangle of toughness, but also having the integrity owning things right i mean it, it comes with all of these intangibles outside of just the x's and o's of the football field when it comes to jeff trailer's culture that he preaches and so you've got to embody that because your guys rub off on that they feel that energy that you're portraying and when you're over here bitching about how they played that's not really good for the locker room morale mm-hmm. when you're telling the reporters yeah my guys played like shit. They they feel that, dude. They 100% feel that. And they're not going to be as fired up to go and bat for you when you all get to practice next week or when you have to go take the game the next week. Mm-hmm. Look, I get it. But he did say... So. Good. You think what? Oh, I was going to say, I mean, I I really do feel like this is a learning experience for him because he's not, he's not falling short on expectations at UTSA until now. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, I, 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 I'm not really that concerned about the comments moving forward. It's just like, it's kind of an interesting look into a year that will come someday. If trailer stays at UTSA, there will be a year where this team is much worse than they should be and what's expected. Right. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that is handled, but I think, right. You know, hopefully there's like this, limited exposure to that underachievement they take care of business they bounce back they go have a strong year so that in the future when that year comes where they're bad it's not the first time like they know how to respond to it and they can keep the locker room together they can keep getting better you know week and week throughout the season because you don't want to have one of those years where everything totally spirals out of control and you're just totally lost week by week can't have it whether it's this year or some other year, he's going to have to learn how to lose. And uh, he's got to be better in the postgame presser because you've got an entire team, a, a, a locker room glue that you've got to keep together, a fabric that you've got to keep together. Mm-hmm. But when talking about conference play, 
He said, we'll be pissed off and fully healthy, zero and zero against Temple. So, I don't know if they'll be fully healthy. I hope they're more healthy than they are today. I'll settle for that. We haven't even talked about Trey Moore going down with injury. That was huge. No. Well, I understand this much that from that comment is that they are totally okay with riding off Knoxville, Tennessee. Who cares? Mm-hmm. September 2023 is irrelevant to the UTSA Roadrunners forever. We focus on October. We focus against Temple. We focus on having a fully healthy team. Our starters back as many as you can get. Frank Harris back, and going out and winning the game against Temple. That's going to be a good segue into the Tennessee preview. But let's take a quick Cumbia break, give ourselves a break, and listeners a break before we break down this upcoming game with the Volunteers. back to the Alamo Auto Podcast. We are here to preview UTSA's first ever trip to Knoxville, Tennessee, where they'll be facing the Tennessee Volunteers who are coming off a nasty loss to their rival Florida Gators in Gainesville. It's going to be a pissed off Tennessee team. It's not not the ideal spot to catch an SEC team where you might catch them slipping a little bit and, you know, fly under mm. the radar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely a little bit of a fire lit underneath the, the volunteers butts after that more or less, man, it was, it was a butt kicking from Florida. Uh, Gators really went out there and controlled that entire game and Mm -hmm. uh, gave it to him, gave it to him really good. You had a number 11 Tennessee and, and they were ready to, they're ready to do big things this season. I think that Florida loss really just kind of shocked their system for the Vols fans for that team yeah i think you know there there were some warning signs i guess if you were looking for them uh they won pretty handily against virginia 49 to 13 virginia is a really bad team uh but i think that i think they played like super clean in that game i think they pretty much just out talented virginia but then that following week in week two uh they only beat austin p 30 to 13 and that was really strange (laughs) Uh, that is weird man that's a close just, call to austin pete tennessee just didn't look right in that game i mean it kind of like how utsa has looked like against houston and, and army this year it's just like something was amiss and it's hard to like put your finger down and pinpoint exactly what that was if anything um so i mm-hmm. i was not surprised to see florida pull the upset even though i'm, I'm a little low on the gators program billy Napier he's <laughs> got having some struggles over there um, but yeah, I wasn't surprised to see Tennessee, you know, get, get knocked down to the bottom of the top 25 ranking. It's like, yeah, I think in a different circumstance, this, this could be a really winnable game for UTSA. I don't think that right now, but like, it's just, it's not the right timing, I guess, for UTSA to pull the upset. Uh, if this Florida loss hadn't, hadn't come, like maybe Tennessee wins by one score. UTSA is pretty healthy. I'd be feeling good about the upset potential. I'm struggling to see it this week. If it's the same UTSA team that walked into Royal Stadium in Austin last season 
going up against this Tennessee team, I think you feel a lot better about our chances. But that was a team that was doing all the right things, that, that was streaking, right? I mean, they were mm-hmm. really, really in stride mm-hmm. uh, pretty much all throughout the year last year. This is not a UTSA team that's in stride. In fact, it's a UTSA team that's trying to find their footing. But at this point, I think it's safe to say, you know, you're going to see backups in there really not going to be running the starters too much at all against Tennessee, which I'm that's totally okay with. I, I think that's the right strategy for this team going forward. Okay, that, that's what I was going to ask, because as we ended our Army recap, we kind of segued into the preview by kind of pointing out that Coach almost kind of indicated that they're going to punt this Tennessee game. Yes. I agree with you. I mean, I, I want you to say to come out through a good, solid right hook right out of the gate. But I think if you see that score start slipping, you call off the dogs pretty quick and just try to get out there and get healthy for the bye week and get obviously healthy for Temple and start conference play. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's worth it for UTSA to run guys out there that you really need. And as as hobbled as we already are, mm-hmm. it's it's not a chance you can take, man. All of this team's goals, believe it or not, are still right in front of them. We have not played a single conference game yet. You mm-hmm. can still win AAC. You can still win a bowl game. And like saying that right now with the way that this season has started, it sounds outlandish. It sounds like a ridiculous proclamation to make that this team could go win the AAC. But they can. They mm-hmm. absolutely can. And that's not just blowing smoke. This is an extremely talented roster, one of the best rosters in the conference. Yeah, One of the I mean, best you, coaches in the conference. You have seen Go plenty of flashes of this team being fully capable of what they've done the past few years. It's just, it hasn't had the consistency that we've seen the last few years. If they piece it all together, yeah. yes. Adrian's it's doing like the we triangle. Can't get all, we can't get all three sides. It's like we're like, but we need to connect to the triangle. I know. We need to complete, complete the triangle. It's not completed right now. Right, exactly. So I think, you know, they're, they're, it is still very... I think objective, it's not homerish to say that this team is still capable of doing what you described. But they need to clean up a lot, a lot, for sure. There's still plenty of time to do it. A hell of a lot you need to get right. Why not chalk up this week, go into the bye week, you give yourself two and a half, three weeks of real true rehab and recovery for your injured guys. A little bit of rehabilitation for, you know, your... (laughs) your mind state and your program mm-hmm. culture and, and getting oh, that refortified to where it used to be in 2022 and 2021, uh, that pound the fist, that triangle of toughness, kind of recalibrating guys to get into that way. Maybe making some small tweaks as far as your scheme goes too. When we talk about those offensive woes that we were talking about earlier, my, my big concern is Jared four weeks from the army game after you know a a pretty brutal loss to army barely eking out a win over texas state a loss to u of h okay but then then a one and two utsa goes and gets blown out to tennessee with your with your backups in for most of the game then you have a bye week and then you have an east coast game in temple Mm -hmm. utsa doesn't come back to the alamo dome for a month from the Army game to the October 14th home conference opener against UAB, Hispanic Heritage Day. What in the hell happens to the fan base, to the city of San Antonio's buy-in, to the Alamo Dome bleachers in these four weeks? 
I, there's a chance that the city of San Antonio might forget that the Roadrunners are still playing football. It, it is a fickle, fickle, casual fan base in San Antonio. I'll say that much. Well, we haven't earned the loyalty from them yet. We're too young, and back-to-back conference titles won't quite get you there. It's just two years in the grand scheme of things. Takes Not, a long time. I, to yeah, and I don't think either of us are saying you're going to see like 2019 Frank Wilson era crowds of 10,000 people at the Dome. Right. But I think you drop the Tennessee game, get blown out, lose to Temple. Yeah, it's not it's not hitting 30K anytime soon. That's You're not sure. getting 30K. You're not getting 30K back in the Dome this season. I Yeah, I, I totally agree. Even with a win to Temple, I mean, mm-hmm. how many people are really even going to be paying attention to that game as far as UTSA's casual walk-up crowd into the Alamo Dome? Right. It's going to be hard to get this fan base back to 30, 35K in general when you're talking about the 2023 season. Yeah, have to play I, you know, it sucks. Good it sucks to talk about it, but yeah, I think you're probably right. You know, I mean, dropping that Army game, I think, really did damage to mm-hmm. those numbers, to that mm-hmm. buy-in. I mean, you know, I think... <laughs> You had the mayor calling people to pack the dome. You had the UTSA flag flying on top of the Tower Life building. You've got uh, all the newscasters pushing the buttons to get UTSA fans into the Alamo Dome. I mean, I didn't see any selfie videos from Ron Nirenberg going into that Army game after we lost to U of H and then barely escaped Texas State. I didn't see all the crazy buy-in that we had seen into the preseason that's what losing these early games, these September matchups that are so vital against important opponents on important stages, that is the damage. Maybe all of your conference and all of your season goals are still right in front of you. But that other stuff, the city of San Antonio, the casual fandom, people saying meep meep on ESPN, that's what you lose when you lose all of those games in September. And I think it's going to be really hard. I think it's going to be really, really hard for this team to, to go and lose a, a game against Tennessee in a in a blowout style and get fans back in the Alamo, man. I don't know if it's going to happen. We'll see. I mean, I, I don't think it's that crazy to suggest that even a limited UTSA roster could still keep this game close. I wouldn't be totally shocked if that happened. So I don't know. Maybe if you keep it within two scores and you get some cool highlights on SportsCenter or whatever, uh, then you come back and you beat Temple. They can go on a run. I mean, I, I think maybe we're being a little bit too doom and gloom here. I think it's a totally valid concern. There's still a lot of football left to play. We got bigger, so we we think... got bigger problems in attendance right now. Sure. They need to so, play solid football before you care about that. So we think Eddie Lee Marburger is definitely going to get the start against Tennessee. I'll be shocked if Frank even travels i don't well i don't know he might come anyways he'll travel right you'd be at knoxville yeah, you get that experience travel. sec but i'll sure. be shocked if he if he starts yeah totally shocked yeah totally shocked so eddie lee marburger considering how well he played how, how well he threw the ball and how well he played against army now you're in knoxville tennessee you're in front of the sec crowd right hundred thousand people very hostile stadium he's getting the start in that game Considering how well he threw the ball, Jared, I mean, do you really let Eddie go against Tennessee? I mean, do you let him just throw that ball and see? I mean, you you got nothing to lose playing Tennessee, right? Sure. I mean, I wouldn't. 
I would have drastically changed the playbook just because it's Tennessee. You know, I, I think you run your your standard stuff. You don't want to put stuff on film unless like there is a real chance of an upset, right? Uh, definitely not mm-hmm. in the first half. If you're feeling good in the second half, sure, go crazy, go nuts. Uh, okay. But I think, look, you know, similar to what we saw against Army with some tweaks would, would be good. You know, it's it's a developmental opportunity for Eddie and and all the guys on the roster, especially the younger ones, to get into that kind of setting and um, allow them to see what it's like being under those bright lights. I know it's a day game, but, you know, in, on that stage, just like how last year when they played a DKR against Texas, it's just a good development opportunity for them. Go get some elite athletes and and get those reps in and and get that experience, get that exposure. Yeah, certainly so. Yeah, I, I think uh, Eddie Lee will certainly get the start. I think he'll throw the ball. I think he'll continue to throw the football well against Tennessee. Yeah. And you know something we didn't say in the Army recap is I thought Eddie was so sharp and so quick to get the ball out on those you know kind of screen plays and quick hitters and stuff like that. Uh, so that's good to see. And I think that's how you can have success against Tennessee. It's going to be hard to get guys open down the field like how Devin McQueen did against Army. Um, but, you know, like that touchdown that they threw to Josh where they had quads out wide, two tight ends. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Eddie got the ball really fast and Josh was off to the races. I think those are the kind of plays that you can kind of catch Tennessee, misaligned and stuff like that and have some success. So, Yeah, I mean, even the Hail Mary pass that he threw, he really didn't even step into that very much. No, that was just a flick of the wrist. Yeah, it was crazy. Let that thing fly, you know? So here's the the question that we probably don't need to ask, but I'm sure people want it asked. How good does Eddie Lee have to play to keep Frank Harris in that backup role even as he's getting healthier? Or maybe let you take a little bit longer with nursing Frank Harris's injury back. Let's say Eddie Lee plays just as good as he did against Tennessee as he played against Army. Um, and Frank is still not entirely 100% coming out of the bye week going against Temple. Is there a chance you see Eddie Lee maybe play a game against Temple and then bring bring Frank back against UAB once you're 100% sure he feels good? I think it's 100% driven by Frank's health and his comfort his ability to practice, and it has very little to do with how Eddie does or does not perform. Frank Harris okay. is Frank Harris. If he's healthy, if he's able to go, he's going to be in there. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't hurt, right, to have Eddie balling out and, and playing as well as he did against Army week in and week out. Mm-hmm. But I'll say, too, I mean, prepare yourself for the possibility that Eddie looks really bad against Tennessee. Sure. Right. Uh, this is a super elite, talented team. They've got plenty of four and five star guys. You know, Tennessee is one of those top programs in all of college football. Right. So if Eddie comes out and, you know, he goes 10 of 30 and throws two picks with no touchdowns, don't freak out because the way he played against Army is more indicative of his uh, ability to compete at the AAC level than what right. happens against Tennessee. Right. 100%. Yeah. Yes. 100%. So I, I just I'm I'm really concerned that Eddie struggles and people are gonna be like, oh my god, we're screwed. There's no future for the position. We need to get a transfer. Yada yada mm-hmm. yada. You know, doom and gloom. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, let 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 let's you know take everything with a grain of salt, both positive and negative. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So Tennessee does have some holes. Sure. They, they are not. They are not a complete team. They are not. 
they're not an SEC championship roster for sure. No, doesn't feel that way. Doesn't feel that way after what we've seen so far. Is the the holes on Tennessee more on the defensive side of the ball? Or more on the offensive well, side? Well, I think they're I think their offensive line leaves a bit to be desired as well. Yeah. I think of the skill positions, they're fantastic. Right. You know, Josh Sheeple is a great offensive line. Guys want to play for him. Uh, but I think in the trenches, they they are not quite to like a Georgia level, you know, to make an SEC comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I think on the defensive side, they're they're not as like eye opening as they are on offense. Uh, they do have a cornerback that I think is potentially an NFL talent, Kamal Haddon. I think is how you pronounce the name. He's like one of the best corners in the country so far this year. He's allowing just a 33% completion percentage when he's being targeted. And when those guys do catch the ball, he's bringing them down quick because uh, their opponents are averaging just 4.5 yards per reception against him when they do catch the ball. So that is, that's elite coverage capabilities right there. Yeah. That's beauty. Yeah. Yeah. They do have two pretty good edge players as well. Uh, Tyler Barron and James Pierce Jr. Those two guys have combined for 16 pressures and six sacks through three games. So that's pretty gnarly uh, pressure pressure percentage. Kind of concerning when you look at what UTSA is left with on the offensive line through all these injuries, you know? Yeah. 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 Really, really got out physical at the line of scrimmage this last week on on both sides of the football. I think it's fair to say. Going up against going up against Tennessee squad. Do the do the line of scrimmage struggles look just as bad as they did against Army? Oh, I think they'll look much worse, man. Uh, I don't think the offensive line was too too terrible against Army. I think there were just some plays that really stood out, uh, you know, and breakdowns and stuff like that. I mean, like you don't run for like what, however many yards per carry UTSA did uh, by not being physically capable of the line of scrimmage. But I think just like the communication breakdowns and, you know, the quickness of the feet um, are, are, are what were an issue against Army. And that's going to be even more evident against Tennessee where those linemen do have that elite quickness. Yeah, and I think what's scary is Eddie Lee Marburger never really being in that situation before where he's just being bombarded with backfield pressure, right? Is he able to have the wherewithal to get rid of the ball safely, to go down safely, mm-hmm. right? find a check down if we give him some check down options get the ball out of bounds you know i would hate to see him just get absolutely handed right by yeah. by a defensive pass rush he made really good decisions against army but this week he's gonna have to make those same decisions but twice as fast twice as fast yeah great great way to put that so yes that's a big step up for sure and then on the offensive side of the ball, man, Tennessee's stacked. The guy that gives me the most concern is their slot receiver, Squirrel White. Squirrel he's an absolute White. game changer. Yeah, he's so fast, man. He's just so fast. That's really all it is. He's just insanely fast. Um, so I don't think UTSA has a player that can match his speed. He's probably one of the fastest players in the country. Um, so I think they'll have to find a way with scheme to make sure they have help, you know, wherever, wherever Mr. Squirrel is going to be on the field. They have an mm-hmm. outside receiver, Brew McCoy. That's really solid as well. But I, I think he's more of the possession type. I guess you could say he's like six foot two. So I, I think UTSA would have a little bit better matchup against McCoy, kind of given the size that UTSA has at cornerback. Uh, but yeah, I'm really worried about Squirrel White just like running free and getting one on ones and getting touchdowns. Yeah, Brew McCoy has been there 
leading receiver through the season so far. And then Ramel Keaton has also really been a force for them as well. Those guys are getting a lot of targets. Mm-hmm. But Squirrel White seems to be the go-to, and he's only a sophomore. Right, right. But yeah, all, each each of those three guys get about four catches per game. And between those three, I mean, tear you up, right? I mean, you only have so many guys that you can put on a receiver. And when you got three of them, same situation that UTSA's opposing defenses were facing last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Did you have a really strong running back as well, Jalen Wright? He's running for 7.2 yards per carry. Um, but a lot of his yardage is coming after the contact. You know, he's a really tough runner, super, super athletic, has breakaway speed capability. So I think yeah. that, um, you know, similar to last year where UTSA's defense was playing pretty well against the Longhorns. Um, and then the running backs just kind of over the span of the game kind of ended up taking over that game. I think I can see Jalen Wright doing that this week for Tennessee against UTSA. Just a very, very seven yards per carry. Fast runner. Seven, yeah. seven yards per carry, man. Yeah. No touchdowns this year, that. So that's interesting. Oh, good point. But yeah, then I guess like to wrap. Got, okay. Looks like they've got a short yardage back that they that they go to for those touchdown situations. Dylan Sampson. Yeah. Got three of them himself. And then Joe Milton, the quarterback. With yeah. Two so. touchdowns. I think that's a name that most people are going to know when it comes to Tennessee. Joe Milton, first year starting yep. at quarterback. He did have some starts last year um, when Hedron Hooker went down. The best way I could describe Joe Milton is uh, like the uncle on, uh, oh, hell, what was that movie called? Uh, the one where the uncle is like, I could throw the ball over them, their mountains. Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, Napoleon Dynamite. Thank you. Thank you. Uncle Rico. <laughs> Uncle Rico. Joe Milton is Uncle oh Rico. God. He's got an absolute cannon of an arm. I mean, he can write, he can make any throw in the book. He he's one of the most explosive passers I've ever seen at the collegiate level. But he's not super accurate. He he's not well composed when he has to move in or out of the pocket. Um but if you leave a guy open down the field, he will hit that deep shot. He's mm-hmm. he's struggled with his decision making. Like he has a capability to be an absolutely elite quarterback in the NFL if he can get coached up and and clean up a lot of those mental mistakes on his part, just clean up his mechanics a little bit, I guess. But I mean, the deep threat is the number one concern here, and he's a pretty good athlete. You know, he can he can run. It's just like if he's going to throw off the run. Um, he's not very accurate. He's actually never thrown a touchdown while on the run before. Wow, never? Never. Okay. Well, there you have it. So if I'm UTSA, I'm trying to game plan for all this. I'm playing a pretty conservative defense. I'm going to have two safeties every play, three safeties on a lot of plays. I'm going to try to keep everything in front of me, and I'm going to try to get Joe Milton frustrated and have him try to force a throw downfield and try like hell to get my first interception of the season. Um, and just hope that Milton misfires on enough of short, medium range stuff um, that you can get some stops on some drives because if UTSA comes out and plays super aggressive, and they blitz a lot. They leave one-on-one coverage on the outside. They're going to get burnt just too many times as, as athletic as this UTSA defense is. I don't think they can hang with the athletes that Tennessee has for, mm. you know, 70 snaps, 90 snaps a game, whatever 
whatever Josh Heupel's really aggressive, fast tempo offense is running these days. I think that's fair to say. I think it's fair to say. What's your final? <laughs> I would say something like uh, 45 to 14. Yeesh. Yeah. Yeah, mine's in that mine's in that ballpark as well. I'm not, and like I like I said earlier, I mean, if, if if this was the first game of the season, UTSA was healthy. Tennessee hasn't gotten humbled yet. I think UTSA could have pulled it off, but the way the schedule's aligned, it just hasn't worked out for UTSA. They've gotten nicked up too much. It's just it's hard for me to imagine the shocking upset, especially with Frank Harris most likely not playing. What percentage chance would you give UTSA to pull off the upset? Like eight to twelve? I was thinking ten percent. Okay. Which isn't all yeah. that bad. If you if you go in like the ESPN FBI <laughs> matchup, it's always like two percent, three percent. So I don't I haven't seen it for UTSA this week, but I mean I think ten percent for an SEC road game is is decent. You talk about the the FBI indicator that you that that's always off? Yes. The little pie chart? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, the pie chart. Okay, it's 13.7% for UTSA. Adrian, we're good at what we do. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're as accurate as ESPN's less least accurate uh, prediction model. So, what it go. Yeah, yeah, I would say one and a half percentage points more than uh, I think they should have for UTSA. But <laughs> I will go ahead and, and yeah, I've got something in a, in, a, in, a similar, in a similar ballpark. Uh, I've got 37 Tennessee. 13 UTSA. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it's an uphill battle, but it's an up Rocky Top battle. Mm, well punned, sir. Well punned. No, that's pretty bad. One of my worst, if we're being honest. Any last thoughts on this game? No, I want it to be over. I'm ready for bye week. I'm ready for <laughs> out of conference play to be done. I'm ready. <sighs> yeah, unfortunately. Wake me up. When September ends, yeah, bro, like that is the God. anthem for this 2023 Roadrunner team, bro. Throw back to the green day, put yeah. all the September ends. Let's go. I'm about to play yeah. that. I'll just say, don't, don't forget this game's on SEC Network, so you might want to check to make sure that you can watch it if you're watching from home. And I know most okay. of you are watching from home because I've heard, I've heard people cancel their trips. That's a cultural oh, violation. I'm not gosh, going. Man. I'm not going, so I really can't say much. We've had we've had canceled flights. We're getting points back for the Knoxville yeah, weekend. Man. Oh, oh that see that if, those if are the you kind of things. A fight you always got to do want to get away pricing. Like you got to be all in. That's hard. That's hard damage to undo, Jared. When I talk about those intangible things, yep, yep, that's one of them, brother. I know, I know. You're absolutely right. Well, we'll wrap this up um, with one last round of Patreon shoutouts. Give you guys a bit of a heads up for what we got cooking. So uh, this week, our Patreon bonus episode is actually be early access to our first ever softball interview. So shout out to Dan for arranging that. Excited for you guys to hear that and across another sport off of our list of sports that we've never covered or had an interview for. I guess we've covered softball in the past, but it's all kind of more general and not getting to know a specific player. So it's exciting. Um, and we're also going to be posting a poll on our Patreon page to see what date works best for everyone for our next summit. 
So if you're new here, the summit is our virtual Patreon happy hour that we do. Mm. So mm. Uh, it's really up for the listeners to decide what we'll talk about. We'll have some topics prepared, um, you know, to discuss, but, you know, it's totally open-ended. Anyone can join, ask questions. Uh, if you're booster tier and above, you'll be able to join us live and come off mute, share your thoughts. I know people got some rants stored in them, ready to get out. Uh, mm. So we're here for it, man. And if you guys want to talk anything non-football, that's great too. It's just like a live interactive mailbag kind of chat room situation. So we're looking forward to it. Look out for that poll. Let us know what day works best for you. And uh, we'll just pick the day that, you know, works best schedule-wise for as many as people. But as we wrap things up, just want to say thank you to all of our big money donors. That includes Ben Tovar, Rick Cortez of Rowdy Road Grillers, The Bunch Family, Zach has been quit on the San Antonio Podcast Network, The Fikes Family, Alejandro Benavides, Dan Nerdall, host of Around the Birdbath, Jacob Fosses, board president of the UTC Alumni Association, Maddie and Mandy, Jenny, Jenna and Andy Anzadula, and Homefield Apparel, where you can use discount code UTSA once Homefield to get 15% off of your first purchase. So, Andrew, it's been a marathon episode. Thanks for riding with me. We'll see you guys back next week for episode 225.